Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Hello, welcome back to the 52 Pearls Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am so pleased to be joined by Eugenie George. She has always been fascinated by money, history, and mental health. Based in Philadelphia and with her MBA, Eugenie is a financial wellness expert. And this year, she is publishing a book called Our Money Stories, a six-week no BS holistic financial wellness plan. Eugenie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. Well, I am captivated by the cover of your book, which if you can't visualize it, I'll try to have a picture um, in our show notes, is a picture of illustrated, beautiful women of all colors. And when I see our money stories along with those women, I just ready to hear more. So um, great job on the cover. And tell me about your book. Thanks. Uh, I, well, I can't take credit for that. That's uh, my book cover artist, Katrina, who was super helpful getting that. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so basically, the book started off uh, around two years ago. And uh, I remember wanting to write a book for NaNoWriMo, which is not national novel writing month Mm. happens every November and you'll have hundreds of thousands of people attempting to write a book. Well, I decided that I wanted to write about money, but I would, I sat in Barnes and Noble and um, I just read every table of content in personal finance. And I kind of asked the question like, what's missing? So I would read one and say, okay, well, what's all the highlights that they have in that? okay, here's the pros and cons. And then I would, and I spent a whole day just sitting there and kind of reading these table of contents. And what, what was left out of the story? Most personal finance books have the rags and riches story, the pick yourself up by their bootstrap story. And that only plays out so well. And, and a lot of times for some folks, it can evoke shame because if you don't, you haven't done it, then you can just beat yourself up for not doing it. And then you can fall into the comparison trap. So uh, that was kind of like the big thing. The Uh, aha. The aha. Like this is what's missing. I've always liked learning about money. I mean, I've always kind of talked about money in some uh, shape or form. I just started writing and then I started asking women for interviews so I said, hey, are you, you know, are you an Asian American woman? Would you like to tell me your money story? I'll make it completely anonymous so you can kind of tell me whatever. Yeah, let's just do it. How many and people did you interview? 40. Wow. Yeah, and I had a budget of $2,000. But yeah, so I just started asking folks and people started 
telling me, and you know, by the fifth or sixth interview, I got better at asking better questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just kept asking. And then fast forward to, you know, two years later, it was May and um, I had my fiance read the book and he just kept saying, something's missing. Cause I was like, what? I thought I had, no. I thought this was done. Biggest cheerleader. You just need to right. say perfect. Right. <laughs> right. Cause I want it to be done. Um, and then I really sat with them and I said, well, if all these women are being super vulnerable with their stories and I'm not, then that would be a disservice. So mm-hmm. I basically wrote the first six chapters all over again and started off with myself and in, in writing it. it just starts off with my money story and then it breaks down women of color their money stories and then the second piece the second part is understanding financial wellness um, financial wellness is blanket term or a blanket statement which doesn't mean anything so i just said well why don't we use the eight pillars of wellness to understand how your money story can affect your your habits and behaviors. A holistic plan, you know, financial planning always talks about what's the life cycle of a person, whatnot, but we never talk about the whatnot part. We just mm-hmm. talk about what's the, what's, what's the plan. It's so, so true I, that mm-hmm. your, your money is, it's about you and your financial well-being cannot solely be fixed if your your money situation is right or if your health situation is right. They're interconnected. And I've had that conversation with health and wellness experts. And, um, you know, you're getting at some of the same things when you're working on your money as other wellness initiatives. Right. And you also might know this, dealing with clients and talking to them, they tell you that you're their therapist in some parts because they're telling you the most vulnerable parts of them. So, Hopefully. Yeah. If you don't feel comfortable enough with your financial advisor or financial planner to share, be vulnerable, or I like to say you don't have to have a good hair day to come in to our office, then (laughs) you may not have a good fit for your financial advisor. You need that level of trust Mm. where you can really tell them you're most vulnerable, what scares you. And I just immediately locked in when you mentioned shame because I think that people don't have a benchmark to know how they're doing. And often I, when I first sit down with people, they describe their anxiety or shame when it relates to money. And in fact, in many cases, they're doing a great job. They just don't have a way to evaluate how they're doing. That was kind of the the beginning. And then after that, then we, we actually go through the, the plan and create the plan and playing out the financial wellness plan while I was teaching budgeting classes, while mm-hmm. I was teaching money mindset classes. Then the last piece is finding your financial BFF. And Love explaining <laughs> the differences of, okay, this is a difference between a CPA and a CFP. And this is the difference between a money coach and a financial counselor. So not everybody's ready to go dive in and get a financial advisor. So I just gave folks the vocabulary to learn about each person and what are the pros and what are things to be aware of. And then at the end, there's a six-week wellness plan that anybody can use once they purchase the book. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think that providing context, providing support for you to explore your money story is so powerful because if you haven't had that conversation with yourself about why you think about money the way that you do, 
then it's very difficult to analyze or adjust your behavior. You know, there are going to be patterns, whether it's a scarcity mentality or an inability to budget because it reminds you of concerns in childhood or there's so many different things. Would you be willing to share a little bit about what you added in about your personal money story? Yeah, of course. A couple of years, like maybe five years ago, I started a business and um, I was the person that used to be really good at saving or what I thought was good at saving. You know, I always had like $10,000 in the bank. Like I always was like, okay, you got to have something in there's an emergency. And then for many times, I would always be kind of like the emergency for my family as well Mm -hmm. um, that were older than myself. And so I just felt like I had to have it. And then fortunately and unfortunately, right? Because it's unfortunate that it happened, but it's fortunate because I was able to write a book about it. Basically, um, once I started a business, I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. And then when I ran out of money, I got evicted from my apartment. And that was not a fun feeling. It happened so fast. It went from like, I, here I am in Paris and in Istanbul, like living my best life to like, what? Like it <laughs> happened so quickly from not having, from having a job things mm-hmm. to having your own business and losing it. I just was like, wow, that, that you know, that feeling was just out of my hands so quickly. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I got kicked out of an apartment. I just remember Googling evicted success after eviction or something like, you know, I was like, I need something. I need Google to help me out. And there was one article that said, you know, I got out of, I got evicted, fired, and then I became a million, a millionaire by 28. And at that time I was 28. So that didn't seem like a thing, an option. I was like, there's no way I could do this. But then the second piece was, then I heard someone else who's actually doing really well in my area about how she got evicted. She was also teaching financial classes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, whoa, here's someone who's the exact same story. She's explaining her story. And like now she's doing pretty well. But I, her honesty was the thing that kind of stuck with me. And uh, that was the thing. And then I also realized like in the city that I live in, Black women are disproportionately evicted more than any other group in, mm-hmm. in my city. So I had to do a lot of historical digging around the city that I live about inequality and what's going on in the city to kind of make myself feel better. Like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not the only person in this, this boat. So after that, I just, I put my business on hold. I, um, got a job at a, at a wine bar. I was like, you just, I just got to apply for something. Yep. Became a, a, a waitress and paid off my undergraduate student loans. And so, yeah, that's that's how it happened and and that's the story and I guess the cool thing was once I was able, once I paid off the undergrad student loans, then a lot of doors kind of opened for me in the sense of I was able to like teach classes and became, a, you know, a financial educator. I was still in school, so I was getting my MBA, which meant I had access to a library and research which is research is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had that access. So yeah, that's my story. You know, I'm still a work in progress. I even in the book, I I talk about my net worth. But then anytime I talk to a financial planner and they see my net worth, they kind of go, you're in your 30s or all right. Like the fact is, you know, this number, like you're okay. Well, so true. We'll we'll help you through this because your thought is, 
I will never get out of it. Right. Um, and so that's kind of the, the story. And now I'm, I'm writing about it and, um, you know, seeing where that takes me. I think it's when you're in your twenties, you think you're, you know, just over the next few years is your entire life. You know, you need mm. to, and I love that ambition, but honestly, like in so many cases, the resilience that you have after a difficult or um, difficult chapter in your life or a failure is what can give you, you know, lessons learned as well as, as a look at possibilities. And the role of a financial planner is to allow you to both take care of your current self as well as believe in your future self and, and see the incremental actions. Because so often people want to kind of do everything all at once and that is the beauty of the time between in your thirties and forties is our extraordinary accumulation years. If you don't aren't carrying baggage along with yes. you. And I think describing too, that you described making a change when things weren't working, you know, and saying, perhaps I don't want to put words in your mouth, but these undergraduate student loans are really an anchor for me. I need to take care of them. I'll do whatever it takes to kind of get those paid down. That's something that people aren't always willing to tackle. You know, they could be swimming in debt, but not willing to make an adjustment or make a change. And you've got to have, you know, some flexibility in that toolkit in order to, to address things. I agree with that. I also think that also went to therapy, like Mm -hmm. I did a lot of things to help my story. And I think the biggest thing is particularly with women or folks that feel disenfranchised, you have to start asking for financial help because that's that's the biggest piece is if you're not asking for help or trying to find the right people, my financial planner, my old financial coach, my old accountant, they've all seen me cry, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, you have to be okay with the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable. Well, know? I know that one of the things that we are both interested in is increasing the access to financial advice by increasing number of professionals that look like different people. So there are few women who are advisors. There's even fewer people of color who are advisors or financial professionals. And so the more that we can maybe just normalize that financial professionals don't have to be one size fits all, I hope that there will be better access. And also, you know, conversations like this, which anyone can access for free, I hope will be um, a tool. So when I think about money stories, I think about a couple of my superheroes in my past, my grandmothers. My grandmother, Vera Pearl, who Pearl Planning was named after, was a farm girl in North Texas. She was widowed young in her late 50s, but she was always financially responsible and just... She's one of those people that first took me to a bank or went. we went to her safe deposit box and she just always lived frugally and with dignity and very quiet about money so that there weren't conversations, but I saw her good decisions. And my dad's mom, Claudine, was the family breadwinner. She worked at the Levi's factory in town while her husband was kind of a failed farmer. So I was always inspired by women who were breadwinners, who were the financial decision makers. And I feel like I kind of have them on my shoulders as I, I look to inspire others. What do you hope that people will take from the conversations in their own money stories? One of the biggest things is understand your ancestry. It's really important. I also think what's really important is understanding your trauma 
trauma is the thing that keeps you up at night. And so if it's the thing that keeps you up at night unconsciously, that's what you should really pay attention to. I, in the book, I talk about adverse childhood experiences, but I stumbled on this, this TED talk by Dr. Nadine Harris-Burke, and she talked about how your childhood trauma can affect your long-term health, health outcomes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what? What does that mean? And so the CDC and Kaiser Permanente came out with a study and it is a metric to help you kind of understand where you fly with this, the, your trauma to see how it translates. But then the other thing is in America, we don't have a money and mental health policy group. We don't have, we have the CFPB board, uh, but we do not have, which helps like with spending, what to do when your, your bill you know, mm-hmm. is overdue, like how to call and talk to people. But we don't have a policy center or anything that has to do with like, what happens if you have mental health issues? What do you do when you have money? And it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If you have issues with mental health, that can really affect your long-term spending. It can affect- And your whole your family. insurance. Yes, your insurance, their insurance, you know, things that- you never thought about like when people have mental breakdowns, some people have to drop everything and go and attend, attend to, to folks. So that's a thing that we really should pay attention to. So I, I would always advise folks to kind of look at that. We're, we're not there yet. I think that that's the thing that's really missing in financial wellness. We need to have these conversations around wellness. And then unfortunately, the planners or the coaches or the counselors have to be more honest about that. That's why when I saw your story, it's like, oh my gosh, she needs to have right in her bio, like that whole story needs to be unfolded on the bio because that's what connects people to you. Without those stories, people would not read the book, right? Mm-hmm. And, and making that human connection is, was the most important part because I can spew facts all day. In order for people to get it is for people to hear, you know, Lisa's story, Cindy's story. You got to hear other people's. Um, and particularly when it comes to women, we, uh, we like learning more about folks' stories. So just humanizing the, the process makes things better. I think that's so true. And I also believe that humanizing the financial professional. We are used to just seeing, I I think the old school way that you would suggest you operate as a financial firm is to look bulletproof. We want to look like a bank, make sure that our lobby is as intimidating as possible. The goal is just, I can't be touched. Like I'm perfect. Now come since I'm perfect and let me handle your money. People really (laughs) are intimidated by that. (laughs) Not shocking. And so the more, you know, kind of real I am in conversations or vulnerable, and I also see this with other financial professionals, it's what drew me to you. That is, um, to me, you want to you wanna work with someone who feels like a real person, who's authentic, who's, you know, um, got their own personal story. They're not just an automaton for kind of the corporate financial machine. So I do see that yeah. changing over time. And I think that the more vulnerable or real people are as financial professionals, the more they resonate with people. Yeah. 
Yes. I mean, the last thing that I'm going to leave with is the, the Simon Sinek. I think that's his name. Uh-huh. We always talk to leave with why that that is the most important thing. Why am I doing this? Any most financial planners that I've talked to have had kind of like their own story of trial and error. There's mm-hmm. been multiple times where I've talked to folks where they ran out of money and then they said, this is going to be my life goal where I'm helping people with money because I don't want people to have to deal with what I went through. Your family's history, you know, she, your grandmother was born in 1920, right around the depression era, right, right around things where, especially in Texas, like right around where things were very unsettled and you had to count all your pennies and that save every piece of aluminum foil, which she did the rest of her life. Yes. Every, every (laughs) single thing, which, which meant slowing down everything. You have to slow down your finances, like all of that stuff. So I think it's so important for folks to see one, how does that ancestry play a role? That's the why Mm -hmm. like you're most of the stuff we're doing is because we've either been told what to do or what not to do. So kind of going back to that origin story, I think is really, really important. That's an incredible way to leave it. I want to make sure that you can provide the link to that Ted talk. I'm going to include it on financial trauma or on trauma. Yeah. And then um, we want to make sure that people can find you and your book. So eugeniegeorge.com, E-U-G-E-N-I-E, george.com. And then um, where else can people find you? I know you can buy the book right off the website, right? It's out on Kindle right now and it'll be out in paperback. You actually ship this out. So it'll be out. Um, And then the next thing is, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram. I'm always talking on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, Well, I'm looking forward to being inspired by your book. I will download it to my Kindle today. You go to your website. I I think you also offer the first chapter right Mm -hmm. there. And it's just been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for sharing and thank you for compiling these stories that I know will help women in the future and anyone who reads the book in the future. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.